0: Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am speaking with John Simpkins today. John Simpkins is an American artist from Napa, California. He studied at the art studio at the University of California, Davis. Incidentally, that's where my brother went to school. Prior to breaking out with his own distinctive style of painting, John was mentored by California artist Earl Thalander. So much of what John talked about had to do with coming back into our center and expressing our art form through our heart and the power of our communication when it comes from a heartfelt place. So before we get into this, I just want to read one sentence from a blog that I came across that he wrote that I thought was really cute and kind of... Showcases his his sweet personality. So he writes, first, my trip to Tibet in two thousand three. while hiking to the high overlook at Lama Lazzo, elevation fourteen thousand eight hundred feet, I asked the sky, the cosmos. If ever there is a place like this, but closer to Costco, please, I would like to live there someday. All right, here we go. Welcome, thanks for. Thanks for agreeing to do this.
1: Wow, thank you. Thanks, Porter. This is awesome. I don't see very many people. I'm kind of in isolation up here.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I feel like a lot of people could relate to that. Um, so the way that I found your artwork was my mom shared your virtual exhibit, um, which was a perfectly, what, 2020 to 22 concept. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, and it was just so beautiful. So I asked you if you wanted to come on this and, um, you agreed. So thank you.
1: I'm honored. Thanks Porter. Really. Yeah. am. I'm, it's nice to talk to somebody, even though, um, you're a little picture down at the low, lower part, I'm supposed to look <laughs> at the camera up here. I know. So, um, but wow, I only get to talk to my dog.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that must be fairly one-sided <laughs> unless you have a <laughs> magical dog, <laughs>
1: It's pretty magical.
0: <laughs> so what um, what was the, the original concept, I suppose, for this exhibit? Did you make it for this era or was it supposed to be something different and it got transformed?
1: It was, I think, transformed, you know, due to these times. I painted for 10 years out at the old Andrews School in the Albor Desert. And those paintings, most of the paintings in that exhibition were from that period. And and then as it as the last piece, during the last piece, that's when COVID came. And um, also at the same time as COVID, the owner of the property asked me to leave. And so I had to move. I didn't know where to go.
0: Related or, noticed... or not related? Pardon? Oh, I'm just wondering if that was related to the lockdowns or whether that was just a fluke.
1: I think it was a fluke. I don't think it was related to the lockdowns, but uh, I had all these paintings and I'd hoped to exhibit them, have them exhibited ideally in a museum format, which is large because I painted these very large paintings like the one behind me, you can see how big that is. so I had to move and I had to take the paintings with me and uh, and that's what happened. Um, I decided to put them in a virtual exhibition so that everyone could see them online. And uh, I didn't know anything about that, but I did some research and through um, a company called uh, Iconospace and Kunstmatrix, those two work in tandem and they were very helpful. And I just uh, my friend David Manley helped me with some of the parts that I couldn't understand. And we got it up, we got it up and, uh, and launched it on um, Christmas Eve.
0: Of last year?
1: Of this year. Uh, yeah, last year. Yes, it would be last year. That's okay. correct. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's up, been up for like, a little over a month, like a about month month and month, and a month. Yeah. Now. yeah. yeah cool yeah. congratulations thank you it's, it's interesting for me because you know as a musician our space has been digitized for a while now you know and i feel like the art well the artist space is definitely getting digitized i guess in like the blocks the blockchain you know nfts and stuff i'm not sure if you're into that but that's a cool right. market for artists now um <laughs> but in terms of like The actual experience of seeing artwork I haven't seen much or been exposed to much maybe it exists and I'm just not aware of it in terms like as a you know virtual exhibit type idea so
1: it was it was new to me and now I'm seeing more of it myself and just uh just in the past month or two you know just of working on this I've seen more artists doing this so it may be a timely thing you know where some of the galleries are closing down and it's it's challenging. A lot of my artist friends are having a hard time, you know, as a visual artist. It's it's, it's a very challenging time, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been painting all my life. I've been painting for over 50 years and, um, you know, making my living as, an, as a painter. And um, I've been through some rough times, but this is this is a challenge I. I <laughs> it is uh it's a yeah. challenge Porter. yeah yeah
0: well and seeing all these small these small businesses like the art galleries for example just that's that's really hard you know theaters just you know i it i hope that there is a rebuilding phase in all of this because me too yeah it's not yeah we can't do without physical places to congregate and experience art. I
1: no, know. And, uh, you know, the thing, I'm not really uh, all that familiar with this term called NFT, but I, I, as my understanding is that it's like a digital um, image that one can purchase. Is that correct? Something like that? Yeah, yeah. But I wonder, I mean, it. it's like, well, it's like this. Okay, you and I haven't met before, but we're having a conversation here. I can see you on my iPad down there, which is great (laughs) to see you. And you can see me. And it kind of works, you know, but you don't you there's a difference in the feel um looking at a painting online or going to a museum or a gallery and having that experience. Do you feel do you agree with me on that?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, of course, very different.
1: So I think, I don't know what I think. Maybe there's room for everything, but I, I, as an old, (laughs) I'm getting older, um, I kind of like the personal touch, the ability to go up close to a painting and and look deeply and then back away. And the... um, the virtual is useful, like in this case for me to have all these big paintings. You know, how was I going to show them when everything's locked down? And um, it was useful in that the viewer can move around within the virtual space, and it it kind of works. You can get up pretty close to the paintings. It's not the same as in real life but it works you know in this time I think it's beneficial
0: Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's not just the physical being in front of the painting missing too but that social experience of viewing it with others kind of hearing what other people are saying um, experiencing how they're feeling it maybe too if that's something that you know you
1: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Those are marvelous moments. You know when I've traveled and I've gone to some of the great museums, and you're seeing a piece with with a friend, and then you you know you're experiencing it, and maybe you go and have a, a have tea or coffee or something and discuss it later. It's a wonderful um, experience to share with a friend. Um, so this. Um, virtual is a new it's a new world for me yeah for, for many i think you know um we can do it though you know we can still see paintings together and talk about them
0: it's yeah, just people a, have been very creative with with their use of technology but to your point about nfts i certainly don't see that replacing physical art you know that's if anything I think the NFT space is more going to complement the physical art hmm. experience, you know, in kind of the way that like your ability to print art has has done, right? Like okay. it doesn't stop you from painting, but it makes it so that you can sell it to more people perhaps. And the NFT is sort of the opposite cuz you're going to just be doing one version as opposed to like a, you know, hundreds and you could actually probably sell it for you might be i don't know a lot of people are selling it for a lot more than they would a painting so it's interesting and it's kind of um really nebulous how you're able to do it like i have not figured out a way that makes it interesting to me but there is definitely room there like like the ability for example if you sold somebody an nft painting of yours for them to ask you questions like that might be part of their purchase or you know just you know, have, have a Zoom tea, tea call with, with John Simpkins, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing. Wow. It's really (laughs) open-ended.
1: It's so, it's so new. It's so different, you know, it's like, wow, really? Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't want to be, I'm turning into a dinosaur. I mean, slowly, you know, but I don't really want, I want to try to keep going with things you know stay in connection so this is really new the nft i didn't even i hadn't heard the term until about what a couple of months ago someone said something like oh you should do an nft and what (laughs) What? what's that you know so i don't know i know yeah
0: somebody sent me an article and it 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 took me a while to wrap my my brain around it
1: really okay so it's, it's, it's pretty fresh, I guess. It's pretty new.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty new. And like I said, the way that people are going to use it is really unclear. Like, is it just a visual image? Is it just a video? Is it a video of something and a vision and a, and an image, but also like a ticket to a live event? Is it, you know, is it like a, uh, surrogate for, uh, I don't know, a real life encounter or a VIP experience, or I don't, or like a something physical that you get in the mail because you bought the NFT, like the way you can use it is so unbounded that it's too many choices for me. Honestly, I think that's what it is. Yeah.
1: So it's just, it seems like it's formulating in time as more, I mean, some it's so new that maybe it's it has to become what it's going to become you know that maybe right now there are too many choices like you're saying too many options maybe that will evolve
0: yeah I I mean people are still using it to great effect I have a problem with too many choices that's my personal thing (laughs) um but let's I want to talk about about your actual art (laughs) let's (laughs) let's do that um, because it is so, so beautiful. And unfortunately I haven't seen it in person, but, you know, from what I've seen online um, it's, can you like, let's just start with how did you, how did you start? How did, why did you want to paint or what, what made you want to paint?
1: Well, you know, my memories, um, I remember first memories, I think, um, playing with mud and drawing in the mud and actually I got in big trouble a lot of the times because uh, one story is my my father was a builder in Napa Valley. I, I was born and raised in Napa Valley, California. Um, my father was a builder and when I was born, my mom and dad moved to a brand new house that he had built and he had built a a new fence around a beautiful redwood fence and he had had it stained a certain color that I didn't particularly like and I mean I was just a little very small you know kid I don't know three four years old I don't know how old I was and I decided I discovered that if I mixed up mud and wiped it on his fence that when the mud dried it blended in with the terrain, with the landscape. And so I took a lot of time. I was busy, my mom was busy, so she didn't notice and my father was off working, so he wasn't there. So I was able to paint this fence with mud and then he came home and oh boy, um, I got in big trouble for that. But I thought, and as usual, it's like, well, why? Because I made it look better. (laughs) Why, Why am I in trouble? So those are some of the early things. I used to use crayons, melt them on a light bulb in my closet, and then wipe the melted wax onto the wall. I got in trouble for that, too. Wow.
0: That's really that thing that you said about not liking the color of the fence, though, that's like a light bulb in my head, because I don't ever remember as a child thinking that anything could be different than it was. That, you know color wise it was like that's just that's the way I don't know that didn't even occur to me that's really interesting that you actually felt like you wanted to redecorate as a child that's cool
1: <laughs> um I gotten like I said I got in a lot of trouble as a little kid and I was always perplexed at why the adults were upset with me. I couldn't and now here I am I haven't changed a whole lot I've just gotten older I still probably, I think a lot of adults still don't understand what I'm doing, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been making images as, as long as I can remember. And,
0: um, did at some point they, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm just wondering at some point, did your parents realize this was like an artistic thing and provide you with materials or
1: they my mother was encouraging and I think my father to you know to the extent that he could be but he wanted me to follow his footsteps he wanted me to become a building contractor in Napa Valley and it it just it just wasn't a good it wasn't working um i mean i'd hit my He'd take me out onto this job site and say, OK, son, I want you to work with these guys today. And just, you know, we're going to nail these things up and just take a hammer and just go in there and work with these guys today. And so I go over. And the first thing I do is I hit my finger with the hammer. <laughs> and I can't work anymore. <laughs> and it embarrassed. I'm sure it embarrassed. He didn't know. Poor dad. Um, <laughs> The turning point was, um, I met a man named Earl Fallender. Earl Fallender, an illustrator, painter, great artist. And he was offering a figure drawing class. Um, I took this figure drawing class. I I had to drop out of the University of California due to illness. And I I was just getting better and I thought, well, here's this class. I, 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 Earl Fallender had come out with a book called Backroads of California, and I was very interested in what he was doing. I went, I took the class. I was blown away by his talent and his his vision. And all I wanted to do was learn from him. And I finally got enough gumption to ask him. And he said, sure, just come on, you know. So for the next, the, uh, the following 10 Eight to 10 years, I followed him around and learned to draw. He met with my father one time. And he told my father that I had a lot of talent and that I could make it as an artist. And that was the turning point. When Earl Fallunder told my father that, that's when my father decided that I could be an artist and make it.
0: So So he he gave him a surety that you would be safe.
1: He did. He did do that. Um, Yeah, that was an incredible time for me, um, meeting Earl Fallener, becoming kind of an honorary member of the family, um, which I still am. And that's one of the richest times of my life. It truly is. I'm so thankful and so fortunate for that experience.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. It's important to have people, I mean, stating the obvious, but like how important it is to have people, you know, validate what you're doing, even though, and you know, in the end of it, I know we're all kind of expressing what's within us and, you know, but to have some sort of validation does afford you a little bit more confidence on your, on your path, you know?
1: It's so true, oh my gosh. And I, was, I wasn't sure at those times. I mean, um, I, I didn't know. I, I, I thought I was going to be forced into having to do something I didn't want to do. And Earl changed all of that for me. And I mean, there was so many aspects of traveling to Europe with, with Earl and his wife, Janet, and others it was so enriching and so ex- it's, it really helped expand my spirit. And so those kinds of things in life are so amazing. I'm so thankful for those things. And, um, and somehow I made it as a painter.
0: <laughs> it also sounds like <laughs> he introduced you kind of to a whole, a whole social scene around the artwork too.
1: Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing to meet um, so many other painters and, and to feel that um, encouragement and even respect from others at my age. I mean, I think I was, I think I was 19 or 19 or 20, something like that. So I was pretty young and to feel that kind of support was really wonderful. Like I, I say, it's, I'm so thankful for that, because it really helped guide me on this path mm-hmm. that you know here I am now and um, there's a lot more images to do i've I, I want to say something though i I know some of my artist friends are having a lot of challenges with with these times uh, we do, we uh, alluded to that a little bit earlier, i think and um and like for myself as well, this is a very challenging time. But every day I take a walk with my dog. I From this place where I'm in, I have to drive about 12 miles to get to this place to walk with my dog. But every day we do that. And just being in the quiet in nature and walking and thinking about all these things that... Um, tend to bombard us through the media every day, at least for me, I noticed that it was very helpful to find um, a deeper connection to earth again. And I had that when I lived in the Albor desert, you know, in the ghost town, it was a very easy connection to the earth. But here where I moved to is not, not quite as easy. I'm surrounded by buildings and you know, asphalt and cement and power lines and things like that. Um, so to take this walk every day is really important. And I, I think about my, uh, my friends, my artist friends who were, were all trying to find the way through this time. And it's, I hope we can do this. I hope we can make it. I think this is really challenging for the arts I don't know. That's from my perspective. What do you think, Porter?
0: Yeah, I think it's incredibly challenging for the arts. And, you know, the upside, not upside, I suppose, but at least the musicians that I know have been able to lean into like live streams and their streaming royalties and things because there are things for musicians that just continue to be whether you are out there touring or not. Um, I've always been a recording artist, so things haven't changed too much for me for my music. That because touring has never been my main thing. But you know, with things like theater and um, dance and you know art, these are things that we are you know we want to see in person. We don't you know it's it's lovely to see things on a screen if that's the only option. But you know, and I'm definitely grateful for that ability. But um, I want to be able to take my kids to a musical in their life, you know. I want to be able to take them to an art exhibit or a museum. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely challenging. And
1: it is uh, on a. a, It's a you know a daily thing. My practice, um, my my Buddhist practice is very helpful in that in. To me, this is like a very long period of zazen of sitting and you know, feeling what is arising in each moment and sitting with that and feeling, um, sometimes it gets quite dark for myself. I feel heaviness, but I think because of you know, not being able to be connected in person safely with with others, um, but then I'm very thankful as well for the safety of this place that I'm in, and for my dog who helps keep me going. Um, I have a lot of.
0: Zazen. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. What what is zazen? Can you explain that to me?
1: Zazen is it's a, it's sitting meditation, basically sitting meditation. Um, there's the opposite, you know. Kinhin, have you heard of that? Kinhin? So Kinhin is walking meditation. So um, with Zazen, you know, often we sit for periods, uh, various time periods. And uh, in some of the longer sits, you're sitting on your cushion, and your head begins to go all, all, all over the place, you know? I mean, is it? Everybody has that, but we learn to sit through that, just not really interface, but almost like you're watching and listening, but not reacting. Just a seeing what, as they say, what arises. And it's very enlightening in that sense. You learn about your spirit. And then you know, with compassion, if your spirit is afraid, or sad you can have one has compassion for oneself for that aspect when I walk out in the vast landscape to the east um, the land is so close uh, it's like a friend and I feel compassion from the land and it's When I I sense these things, I think, you know, I don't think I'm alone in feeling these things. Everyone has a different way of working with it and dealing with it. Um, So my heart goes out to, to everyone who's having challenges at this time. And I hope with all my heart that things get better soon so that we can do those museums again and do the galleries and do the dances and the music uh, concerts again without worry that would be lovely that's my great wish
0: so it's so funny because I just kind of invite artists on and I have you know I call it conversations with spiritual creatives i kind of assume all artists are spiritual in their own way so i don't like ask people but that's so cool that you have a a meditation practice and a um a buddhist uh, a buddhist practice that's so cool because i didn't know that before we started our Uh, our chat my teacher
1: my teacher is edward brown edward s.b brown um you can look him up he's most amazing uh being i think and a good friend um there was a time I'll tell a little story. If we have, do, we have time to tell them another little story. Oh,
0: sure, yeah, you have lots of time. <laughs>
1: uh, Edward and his partner Margot came out to to visit me in the in the ghost town of Andrews, and they stayed a, a couple of days. I took Edward out initially, uh, drove him out to what they call the playa, which is um, it's about. Oh, maybe is it like seven to 10 miles long and maybe four miles wide. It's a flat, a very flat surface. It's a, it's the bottom of an old, old ancient lake bed. And I thought Edward would, I didn't know, I thought Edward would um, be inspired by that. But conversely, he was a bit taken aback by the space, by the vastness and, So it was me, I remember I, (laughs) forgive me, Edward. Um, I encouraged him, maybe we should do some kin hymn. Maybe just walk, you know, on the surface of the playa. And and that really did help. And then at that time, I was interested in, I was contemplating perhaps becoming a priest. Um, I thought it would be good work and so I'd had I'd asked Edward about that. And he at one point he was Sorry, saying just
0: for my for my own clarity and maybe the audience in case they're yes. they're on with me. But a Catholic priest or is priest a Buddhist term?
1: It's Buddhist, a Zen. Oh,
0: okay. Okay. It's a
1: Soto Zen Buddhist priest. Gotcha. Okay. Um San Francisco Zen Center. Uh, was his affiliation. So, so there he was, and we were we were doing some sitting practice, and then he said, oh, "I want to uh, encourage you to follow me through a a practice for the for a while. Just do what I do." And I'm like, "Sure." And it was fascinating, Porter, because. the emotion just kept rising in me during this time these chants that we were doing and the walking practice <clears throat> excuse me and it was just getting more and more emotional for me and i was fascinated like where is what is this what are we doing and this went on for maybe an hour or more maybe it was 2 hours i don't know it was a, it was it was quite a long time and it, by the time it was concluded, the tears were coming down my cheeks and my heart was wide open. And I was, I finally, I said, afterward, I said, Edward, Edward, what was that? What did you do? What, what, what was that? What did we do? He said, well, you wanted to become a priest and I didn't want you to become, I don't want you to become a priest. I want you to keep, I want you to be a painter. I want you to keep painting but I took you just this close. I just took you almost there. So I, we did some of the practices that you would have done had you been ordained. I just took you close. And I was like, wow, wow that's powerful. And I felt so honored. And I thank you, Edward, if you're watching this. I Thank you, my friend. Um, it touched me and has continued to touch me deeply um, Edward has been an advocate about my painting and is encouraging me to keep painting. Um, so I will keep trying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's also interesting to me the, you know, the, the Zen Buddhist influence, I guess, because your paintings do seem a little Eastern influenced. Would you say that's fair?
1: I think you're fair to, to say that. There are some images that definitely have um, an influence. It's, it's like, how can I say, I, you know, I love animals. I love all life forms. I can ask you about that, too. Um, um, feel very, very close, almost closer with animals and so forth to humans, but that's not fair because I also feel very close with my fellows uh, my fellow humans, but in the, some of the paintings, especially of last the last ten years, I've done some animals almost as priests, almost as um, spiritual uh, guides. And interesting to me was that those pieces uh, seemed to be some of the most popular of the images that I did. So, in this time frame. Uh, this challenging time. I haven't painted now for quite a while. The painting behind me back here um, was the last one. And it's also the largest painting I've ever done in my life. Um,
0: What is the, what are the dimensions about? Because I'm only seeing it it through your phone.
1: Right. It's about nine feet high and 14 feet wide.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Um, But I'm not going to Paint that big anymore because it's not very practical. Uh, Not a lot of people have that kind of room in their places to put a painting like that. So I'm gonna do smaller ones, but what my spirit is encouraging me to do is to follow and do more animal pictures as guides, as spiritual guides, to find center, to help find heart and compassion in us as this species, hopefully. So I've got some ideas for the you know to to begin some work on that i hope it um manifests and um i hope to speak from the heart and encourage others to feel also i don't know what i'm talking about
0: no this is this is great and the the i just love these i mean i i do too they're just the animal paintings are just so cool especially this mm. One that keeps popping up in my, you know, when I look away, but polarization, this polar bear, oh, with this yeah. it looks like he's wearing a or she's wearing a kimono, they, yes. yeah. um, uh-huh. and it's like these beautiful swirling things put on in the background. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Is there a a reason you called it that? I mean, because it's a, it's a really cool pun, but it, it also refers to being divided.
1: It does it does. Um, in a number of aspects, I feel the polarization uh, aspects of what I see currently, or seeing some, even in in uh, climate, um, polarizing in sense. I felt compassion for the polar bears because they're losing their environment, and I felt that is probably likely to happen in the future for a number of species. And even us, even as Homo sapiens, I think in the future, many of us will lose our um, home environments as well, especially if the seas rise due to the melting ice caps, then of course those living along the coast are gonna have to move inland. So there's a lot of, I feel a lot of compassion for this um polarization the painting with the the polar bear as maybe as a teacher I put him or her in that robe there was no plan for this porter I don't like to plan paintings I had and so that robe just evolved on its own all those symbols just evolved and um I would get a sense about something and then I would do a little research on on a Google search or something and find a symbol that spoke. And then I would include that in the robe until I filled the whole thing with with those symbols. And they all speak about this time. Um, So those paintings I did in those 10 years, and when I was in the ghost town in that emptiness, I was feeling, even though I was in the ghost town, I was feeling the energies of others on earth. And I would paint from my spirit, just whatever came out. Sometimes it was concern, sometimes it was um, fear, or even I think there were some times of, you know, just this observing these climactic things that are happening fires and the storms growing and my concern was I had compassion for for us as homo sapiens but also all the animals and the others that are going through this as well and so those paintings I did in those 10 years are expressions of of those things and now here they are you know there's um I think there's like what Uh, 18 of them or something that I, I painted them incredibly big thinking that they would be, you know, ideally seen in a museum format or some sort of a large format like that. So people could get very close to them and see them together, but it hasn't happened. So that's why the virtual, that's why I did the virtual museum exhibition so that people could see them together and see how big they were.
0: Right, that brings up another really great point about seeing art in context too, because just seeing one of the paintings by themselves is, you know, nice, but to be able to see the whole body of work in one place, that's something you also get from, uh, you know, going to see an exhibit, getting to meet the artist.
1: Yes, um, when, the exhibit happened at the High Desert Museum. That was about um, two years or so ago. Um, I had never, I had, I hadn't seen the reactions before to these large paintings, and there were there were quite a few pieces in that exhibit, not the largest ones necessarily. Because, and also, they had a, it was curated so that it was only animals from the high desert and nothing else. So a lot of them like the, the polar bear didn't make the cut because there, there are no polar bears in the high desert. So things like that didn't make it. But what I saw was, and I went there with my friends for the opening and I had to do a little bit of a talk thing, but I realized that in the next days, the people who were attending the exhibit didn't know who I was. So I was incognito, and I could just mm. I could go up to people who were observing my paintings. They didn't know that I was the one who did them. And um, I was very interested to see many people getting very emotional about the pieces. And sometimes I'd have enough courage to just gently ask them, "What is it that you're seeing in this piece that's moving you?" And it it wasn't the same thing each time. And I thought, that's interesting. Um, The emotions coming through, I guess, I don't know how it works, but it showed me that maybe if I paint from the heart and trust that, that maybe I can touch others. And so, I don't know, I, I hope to continue with that, with smaller pieces, because these giant things, like I say, are they're kind of cool in their own way, but they need huge spaces to be seen, and it's not practical for most people.
0: Yeah, um, that's interesting that you mentioned. I was going to ask you about the animals, and you but you mentioned something else and i didn't write it down and now i forgot oh well passing maybe it'll come back to me um oh this well no the symbols is another thing i was gonna ask you about but that wasn't it but so when you're when you're inspired to look up symbols what's your what's your thought process there what are you looking up
1: i would just you know a lot of it is in, in like intuition and maybe i would you know it, during the time of the process of that painting i would wake up and i would think of something and i i would think i wonder if there's if i google that will any anything pop up that could be uh, construed as a, like a symbol form of that feeling or word or whatever and that's that was kind of the process of it it's not like i had a whole list of symbols that i wanted to include it was it really happened one one at a time. And many of these things were new to me as well. And now I can't remember <laughs> what I did. I look at them and people say, well, what does that mean? And I'm like, I don't, know. I don't know. I don't remember. I think I wrote it down somewhere. But I'm kind of like in the moment, I guess. And I don't.
0: Yeah. I I can never explain to people why I think the things I think because I'm like, well, I saw something and it was very convincing, (laughs) but I don't remember the facts about it. So I can't help you out there. Um, Yeah,
1: it's just in the moment, right? Stuff that happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I was going to ask you, I remember when, when you do hear the things that people tell you when they don't realize you're the painter. How does that affect at all, if, if it does at all, um, the next painting that you make? Like, does that enter your psyche or is that just sort of fun information to have?
1: Uh, I think what I learned, it's kind of abstract perhaps, because like I say, it seemed to be almost different for each person. Like, each person was touched in their own way from a certain, something in the painting. So I think what I gathered from that was that, uh, doesn't, it sounds easier than it is to do, but to, to paint from the heart, not too much from the head. That's why I don't like to plan anything. I try to, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't. I, I often go in, I don't know what's gonna happen on the canvas, and sometimes it'll take me on a journey that might last a long time, it might last days, even weeks. Um, And I'm just following kind of an intuitive sense. So what I gathered from observing emotion from fellow humans about certain imagery, was that, okay, I think the thing I wanna do is continue painting in that way, but not those specific things. Paint using your heart and your spirit, not so much your head. There's a tendency now, I'm aware of it, because financially it's challenging, um you know not having any real sales for about a year um the head starts getting involved i find Mm -hmm. and it's trying to think like i know it's going to sell i think we should do some paintings like these will sell these will sell and i think i don't know about that you know i i think i would rather paint from the heart it may be, I don't know if it's more risky. I don't think it's risky. It's just, I don't think you can, I don't know if I can figure out what's going to sell. It's like to touch people, touch their souls and their hearts. That's, that's the kind of work I would like to do. Not so much worry about, I don't like worrying about the sales part, you know, that's but a very
0: challenging as that's a very challenging aspect for artists in general.
1: It is very challenging. Especially now. I, I read something on Facebook, a fellow artist who he's younger very talented, likes to do wonderful large pieces. But he he was um, <coughs> took the risk to speak what he's actually feeling right now. And realizing that you know some of the galleries have actually closed, or they're they're not doing the shows that they had planned, or um, some of the stipends that had been arra- uh, had been arranged for for him in particular for something uh, they decided not to go through with it at this point, so that the funding was wasn't there when he needed it, um, and I think you know many. Artists are probably going through this. And we're trying to find our way again. How How do we do this? You know, um, this is one of the ways I think poor here we are in this Zoom thing, you No, know, that took us a little while to get this up and running. Um, it
0: wasn't too bad, actually. It was- Not too was, bad? No, no. Yeah.
1: I was scared there for a while, because it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Um, it's a new time. Nothing, in, in Buddhism, they, uh, the saying is, nothing lasts. And there's also a, an instruction, something to do with, you know, the amount of attachment you have to something is equates to the amount of suffering you might have. So if you're really attached to something and you don't get it, Or you you really, really want something and you don't get it. Or you lose something that you're very attached to. The suffering that you experience might equate to that amount. So the tricky part of a practice is to stay in the present moment. (laughs) It's so it's so easy to say you know it's so hard to do okay. um stay in the present moment don't go into the past too much right, don't go right. into the future too right. much try to stay here and be thankful for what you have and keep your heart open yeah. easier said than done sometimes i find some well, absolutely
0: but, yeah
1: Life is uh, like this that's where I like to see if, if the work, if the paintings can touch someone, I feel, you know, maybe, I feel good as a, as an artist, you know, maybe, maybe that's how much better could it get for that. And if these times are extra challenging, as far as income for, for my fellow artists, myself, just keeping the believing, practicing and, you know, moment by moment, I think we'll make, we'll get there. It's a learning experience for so many of us, I think. But I I think we can do it. And how do you feel, Porter? With music, is it that way? And you say, you know, you're not so much into doing concerts, but um, there's all these ways of, like, making an income as a musician now, wow, it's got to be tricky as well. All these platforms, uh, how do you do it? You don't, it's not so much about record making anymore, is it? Or cutting, making an album unless it, is it digital? Or how does that so work?
0: It is about, yeah, it's about making a record in the sense of making a recording. But I think what you're probably talking about is not, like, making, like, a 15-song album or or whatever yeah, that's has become less important, I guess, depending on where you are in the music industry, though. I mean, you know, the major the major label artists are still making full albums, um, but also singles. So, yeah, P- I think people have definitely changed the way that they that they uh, consume music. I mean, we're consuming so much more music as like background, you know, noise, basically <laughs> for uh so, so people have just gotten used to having, like, so much music at their fingertips, and I'm one of them. I love the ability to, you know, play as much music as possible. But I think that was something that was happening way before any of the lockdowns. I think the the main thing is the, you know, the, the ability or inability to congregate, which, I mean, actually isn't everywhere. I'm in Washington, so I think we're one of, like, two states that is the most strict right now or,
1: washington state
0: yeah yeah because the i i've just heard like california oregon a few ones they're talking about you know lifting some of the some of yeah. the restrictions
1: there was something about yeah by the end of march that it, i heard in oregon i guess that um masks won't be required inside
0: right so i think Plus, like, I mean, if you're in Cal, well, if you're in Southern California, there's lots of things to do outdoors, too, if you're not, uh, if you're not an indoor kind of person, but I don't remember what your initial question was now. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: don't either. I don't either. Isn't that just the way it is, though? I mean, (laughs) I have so many friends, contemporary, know, my age, and we have a a, a telephone conversation. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) oh my gosh I mean it's like we're talking and like what were you saying (laughs) I don't remember what you said oh yeah I don't remember what you said either oh but it's pleasant it's It's actually I
0: mean that must be so much easier for your Zen Buddhist practice though because you know if you can't remember (laughs) it there's nothing to attach to
1: (laughs) no 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 worries you know it's like I don't know. I'm in the present moment. That's for sure. Uh, (laughs) And now I'm in the next present moment. I don't know what I did in the last present moment. Um, Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Uh, This, the aging trip. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I had no idea. I, you know, now I have so much more compassion for, you know, like when my mother was very old and, she would complain about things and i'm like oh mom it's not that bad <laughs> um mom you were right yeah. uh, <laughs> it's it's like wow really okay i only
0: just started thinking about mortality this year which is really a trippy concept to me like I I actually have started kind of mourning the loss of people prematurely. Sometimes, like just in a moment, I'll be like, I'll think about that's fleeting. I'm, you know, and I'll start to cry because I'm.
1: That's I think that's very beautiful that you're sensing that nothing lasts and there's nothing we can really do about that. Some things pass much sooner than we think they should i did something yesterday i have this it's like almost a full size skeleton it's it's um you know it's one of those i'm sorry it's plastic i it was on sale for a halloween thing or so after halloween or something you know and um i brought him into my bedroom and i put him in the chair so he's i'm like from my bed i look at him sitting in the chair i'm like yeah yeah i'm, I'm meditating on that um Yeah, that's, I'm heading there. I'm going there. And there's nothing I can do about it. I'm on this train, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But challenges, knowing I'm traveling through space and time and I'm getting older every moment, at the same point, the challenges stay very awake and aware and alive and keep your heart open, keep the creativity going if you can. If you can't, be gentle. That's what I do to myself. Make yourself another espresso. You know, hey, um, <laughs> just let's get to the next moment. And maybe we won't remember the last one because we don't remember <laughs> anything anyway, right?
0: <laughs> I loved, we we went to Mexico City for Dia de Muertos. Um, yes, yes. They had have, they have such a beautiful practice of incorporating death into the, yes. maybe not the daily experience, but at least in that you know, it's very beautiful. Very beautiful. Yeah.
1: It's many people don't want to look at that. You know, but it is, if you embrace it as part of the story, it's part of life. No one escapes it. Yeah. And if you embrace it and look at it, like, like for me, bring the skeleton in, come on, hey, have a seat, you know, would you like an espresso? Okay. Um, just kind of, uh, okay. He's getting closer. Okay, I got it. Um, it makes you appreciate, you know, the sunrises and the sunsets, and you know, everything. To know that it doesn't last. So, if I were to, you know, talk to myself uh, as a young person, I would encourage that young me to really work on your heart and stay open with your heart and um, take the risk to love things. Uh. Um, It's worth it. When you get here, uh, looking back from anything I can remember, and you know, Porter, most of it's wiped clean. Um, But (laughs) uh, those things I can't remember. The best parts are the love of fellows and things and you know getting close that's good so yeah. I'm, I'm am i really rambling as much as i think i am
0: no this is great this is wonderful i'm getting okay. a very good sense of your your mind and what goes into your paintings
1: my um, mind what's left of it right
0: yeah well i mean i, I have i have no excuse i just don't remember <laughs>
1: I don't know. Just don't remember it. <laughs> Isn't that lovely when just, you can't remember? It's just so oh it's lovely. I can't yeah. remember anything.
0: <laughs> Do you want to say anything about your painting process or your paintings that I haven't asked you about before we close up?
1: Hmm. I don't know what to say about my pro. I think I spoke a little bit about the process. I can't remember
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: my friend I have a friend Sam Giddings who's always encouraged me to you know get your sketchbook and make you know draw it's good it's good but as a painter now I like I say I just prefer not to plan it too much just let it let it happen but
0: yeah, I like maybe that. that's
1: that's my process, maybe.
0: It kind of um, reminds me of that, um, was it Michelangelo? It's that, like, you take the marble, and it, the marble just wants to become something. You're just taking, it's like, you know, it sounds like that's your process with painting. It's like the canvas has, you're just sort of figuring out what the canvas is telling you, right? Right. Rather than having an idea you're trying to make into a reality
1: right i mean i think i i think it's okay to have a feeling or an emotion you want to express or something you want to express but i don't like to plan it out ahead of time draw it out like a plan to stick to
0: yeah
1: i'd rather let it show me the way uh in process it's a little more risky perhaps and it's, uh, maybe it's successful or not successful, it depends on the pieces, but that's what my process has been or at least in the last 10 years. And now, uh, like I say, I'm gonna be downsizing to try to uh, make something a little more practical for people to collect instead of a uh, nine by 14 foot painting You know, yeah. that won't, won't fit in the house.
0: Is that, it, or do you do prints of your things or do you sell exclusively paintings?
1: I am trying to organize, you know, reproductions. There's a company in uh, Sebastopol, California, um, Skylark Images, and Darren Briggs is the is the guy, and he's done some of my reproductions, and I've been, I've talked to him sometimes and I encourage him. Please, can we make like a a group, a, a number of pieces that we could reproduce, and I know he would do such a great job. So that's my that's my hope. That's my my great hope that he can do it or another company could do it so that others can you know uh, collect these pieces that are too big they can be made smaller in yeah. reproductions and make it a little bit a little bit better maybe good for everyone uh, could help me a little bit too actually <laughs>
0: Like, I'm just also thinking like there's also plenty of people on planet earth that have big houses and can afford your paintings.
1: <laughs> that's my hope is to, that
0: they'll,
1: you know, that's what the virtual exhibition where you can walk around and see how big they are and kind of get the relationships between them. And I thought, well, maybe someone, you know, let's try it. Let's see, yeah. maybe someone or maybe a, a curator from the museum will see it. I don't know. It's, I thought it was worth um, worth the effort to do and it's certainly very new for me it's like for me it was like cutting edge to do something like that where it's like wow creating something doesn't really exist that's wild
0: it you is know? especially since you had to create a lot of things that really do exist in order to create that thing that doesn't really exist
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's let's meditate on that for a while <laughs> whoa hold on oh yeah
0: (laughs) thank you so much for being willing to to share with us on the podcast here can you tell people where they can find your exhibit and also if they want more information about your paintings which I will link in the description box of the podcast
1: yeah I think probably the best is to do the website the old website which is you know what is it www.johnsimpkins.com, and i think there's a link on there for that um virtual exhibit and then if anyone's on facebook anybody still wants to go on facebook you know look me up because i'm on there almost every day and i'm always posting stuff and it's that's kind of my way of communicating with everybody
0: yeah thank you so much for for doing this and uh, we'll see y'all in the next episode all right bye
1: Thanks, Porter. Bye-bye.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing on the platform of your choosing and leaving us a comment. This helps considerably all the algorithms to figure out just how valuable it is thank you for participating to keep in touch with me and receive updates please sign up for my newsletter at portersinger.com you'll get a free download updates on my self-healing sound courses workshops and other community building events that i'm creating have a beautiful day